Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. We had been inching our way into a digital and virtual world over the last number of years, but it has become our new normal overnight, it seems. School lessons are online. Okay, what do we have here? We have a nice rectangle. How many sides does it have? Let's count them together. We have one, two, three. Team meetings are held on Zoom. Friend meetups take place on house party. Hey, he's getting on. House party! Hey, how are you? Yeah, it's so good. This newspaper is created every day now, remotely from our homes. Coronavirus has forced us to embrace technology in a way we have never done before and fast. Hey everybody, it's Angie. In today's video, I'm gonna share my top tips and tricks for looking your best on a video call, like a Zoom call or on FaceTime. As you guys know, there is a pandemic happening in the world. I talked to Kira O'Brien, Irish Times technology reporter. Kira, what are we using now that we weren't using before? I think a lot of people now know what Zoom is, which I think when my my parents-in-law, my mother knows what a Zoom call is, I think that shows we've really changed how how we how we communicate. Uh, I mean, look, uh, video chats—they're not something that's new, but I think the idea now that you can log on to one app and all your friends will be there and or all your family members will be there, and you can have a conversation, kind of like being in a very crowded room. It really appeals to people at the moment because that's the one thing that I'm personally struggling with is the fact that my world has shrunk incredibly uh, to a very small number of people at the moment. And obviously it's necessary, but it's also it's it's a little bit it throws you a little bit. So these kind of tools, I think um, stuff like Zoom and House Party and all those apps that we might have dismissed before or hated using because we were kind of forced to do it because of work. I think they've, they've just taken on a new value. You mentioned Zoom there. Is is that app the success story of coronavirus? Welcome to Zoom, the cloud meeting company. I mean, Zoom is is kind of a bit of both. It's a it's a cautionary tale as well as the, the kind of the big winner, if you can call anything from this a winner. Uh, it is the success story because obviously everybody now knows what it is. Lots of people are using it, but also it wasn't really prepared, I think, for this level of use. And so they've had to change a few things and change how they work and probably be a little bit more upfront with people. And they did actually put out a big apology letter because there was some things about security and, you know, there's, there's been a few interesting incidents, I think is the only way to put it um, around uh, people gaining access to zoom chats that really shouldn't have been there. And not only have we had a kind of a bit of a baptism of fire when it comes to video conferencing and apps like that, we've also had a baptism of fire when it comes to security and privacy. And it's been a big wake up call, I think, for a lot of people that they need to be a bit more aware of what they're using, how they're using it, and kind of learn a bit about the app as well so they can I suppose, make it as secure as possible for them because nobody wants some random person wandering into their family chat. So how is this technology helping us to live our normal lives now? I mean, humans are social beings. Well, most of us are, are social beings. We're, we're not used to being on our own. Um, and first and foremost, Zoom is being used to communicate with family members. And it's not the only one out there. Obviously, there's WhatsApp video chats, which you can limit to about four people. Uh, Skype video chats have been around for a while, but 
Zoom has also become very popular for either work meetings or um, say even fitness classes. So they have uh, a, a, my five year old, for example, does kickboxing classes over Zoom. It gives her something like she sees it as perfectly normal. She doesn't see anything wrong with it. And I think it's basically giving her an outlet uh, that's not just myself, her dad and her little brother, because they, they, like, they're the only people that she really sees. And, uh, she, she would use WhatsApp to chat to her grandparents a lot. But Zoom kind of gives you that ability to have uh, more than more than three people in a conversation for a start. But also, you know, it, it's it's more like a. It's more like a big family gathering when they get on that and she gets on that with her cousin then. And she's just, I mean, she's only five. She, this is all new technology for her, but she's really taken to it. And older people have also taken to it because look, this is the only way of communicating with family. And it's the most effective way of doing it. You can't have a text chat conversation and get all the social cues that you'd get, say, from your, uh, your tone of voice, your facial expression and things can be misinterpreted. Video is just there you know and that's not always a good thing by the way <laughs> you can get caught out quite a few times with video too so you know no rolling of the eyes when your mother tells you that story for like the 10th <laughs> time so is it not true to say though that with video conferencing we have a lot of the downside of being at work in the sense of having to be dressed and looking somewhat together and trying to make contributions at meetings and listening to uh bores um with with none of the upside of actually being at work, you know, so in terms of time to prepare, interruptions, space to get a coffee without having to feed or teach or wash somebody else. And I am in no way speaking from personal experience here, but in a way, is video conferencing the worst of all worlds? It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, I caught myself the other day. I was about to go on a Zoom um briefing uh and I thought okay I'll get away and I'll put my video on and then I thought well actually I'm probably going to have to put the video on because I'm going to have to ask questions which meant I had to get dressed into I suppose even just other people appropriate clothes as opposed to pajamas um, and I ended up throwing a, a dress on over my pajama top because all people can see is the top half of you anyway and I thought that's a new low for me but you know it means I have to yeah you do you, you, you kind of have to keep yourself when you're on video conferences, you have to actually look human. And the temptation, I think, when you're working from home and you're only seeing the same small amount of people all the time is to, you know, not. I mean, what's the point in, in getting dressed if you only have to get uh, get back into pajamas at the end of the day? And it's very easy to get into that uh, that particular deep hole. And I used to work freelance, so I can tell you it's very easy to get into that but yeah I mean with with video conferencing you have to pay attention and Zoom up until fairly recently had this um this particular feature where if you didn't have the window um active so say you were doing something else say you decided midway through this really dull um video conference that you probably didn't need to be in anyway but you had to show your face if you decided you want to go do your weekly shopping or, you know, maybe order some stuff off the Internet that you need, then it, the software basically would know because it would know that the window wasn't active. Now, I believe they've disabled that feature because, to be honest, I kind of found that a little bit creepy and probably not very effective, especially if you're going to be taking notes. Say if you're using another program to take notes and the windows are side by side, you know, the window wouldn't necessarily be the active one. So it would look like you weren't actually paying attention and it would rat you out to your boss that you weren't paying attention. But you could have been 
paying attention, just not in the way that uh, this arbitrary computer system decided. So, yeah, I mean, you've got all that to, to deal with. And then as obviously we have other people in our house that we wouldn't have in our office. And these people aren't always professional. I know my five year old and two year old wouldn't be able to uh, observe the social norms for the office. Uh, and that can be quite difficult. I had a two-year-old climbing on me during another interview and I was desperately trying to keep him out of shot. Uh, and it's just, it, it feels like you're juggling an awful lot of things all the time and it doesn't always work. Unfortunately, I think at the moment, it's just a situation where we have very little choice. And if, when all this is done, if companies decide they want to keep up the remote working thing, I think things will be a lot easier because you'd have childcare and you'd have school and you know, you're not always going to be in this particularly pressurized situation where we all have to stay in. And, you know, that's not a normal situation for us. I sincerely hope they have disabled that function, incidentally. Um, but, post, uh, but post coronavirus, we will presumably uh, continue to do some of the things we were doing beforehand. Which businesses do you think will remain at least partially, if not wholly, in the virtual world? I mean, a lot of the technology companies that have suddenly shifted to this completely digital workplace, uh, a lot of those, I mean, service companies that, you know, that are, are basically dealing with software all the time where you don't have to be in the office every single day. And having people in the office is more of a presenteeism thing than an actual productivity thing. I mean, I think those companies now will see that this can work. And I do think there is value in still having an office and having an office environment because you know if you're out of the office all the time and you're not interacting with your colleagues I tend to get out of that loop and there is still something about you know kind of being in the same place as your colleagues and being able to just to talk naturally as opposed to having to type out a whatsapp message to get somebody's attention and you know I, I think that there will be kind of like a happy medium um there is a lot of companies I mean even our own company we saw the last couple of weeks that we can actually put a paper together now it's not ideal and obviously it's not something that we would probably be keeping up full time with nobody in the office but that things can be done and people can actually work remotely and work well remotely Of course, some states have been talking to big tech about using location data gleaned from people's phones to track whether they are keeping one another at a safe distance. Has that been useful so far? It's kind of the, the jury's out on that one so far. I mean, they've been using these uh, th these apps uh, to varying degrees and with varying levels of, of intrusiveness uh, in a lot of the Asian countries. Like in South Korea, they've, they've a contact tracing app um, in China. They've, they were trialing it in a couple of cities and they're rolling it out further now. But you actually need to answer a health survey and have a barcode to be able to access um, a lot of, say, public transport, apartment buildings, uh, public spaces in general. And if you don't have the right barcode, you're not going out. To be honest, I think there is a there is a tendency to overreach with some of these things. And I, I don't think we're going to get that here because, I you know, the, apart from the fact that, like, constant surveillance is not allowed um but i mean i can understand why people would be skeptical i think we should all be kind of a little bit we should all ask questions i mean 
these things are often done with the best of intentions. Um, the key thing is that once they're no longer needed, they should go away. So, I mean, we should not be walking around with contact tracing apps on our phone or location tracking apps on our phone for, for health purposes once this pandemic is done. I think a lot of people are worried that once it's introduced, it's harder to get rid of. Um, I, I would I would be very surprised if it's as much of an issue here, just purely because, I mean, the HSC are looking at a contact tracing app rather than, I think, a, a location app. Um, we'll see what happens now when it comes out. But, you know, my impression is that, you know, obviously the, 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 uh, the data regulations over here, GDPR, wouldn't allow for anything that is massively intrusive. So, I mean, at least we have that on our side. Aside from the privacy issue, are the a lot of these social apps not just a bit unsatisfactory from the point of view of creating a a demand that people then need to satisfy in, or, in other words, to be present? So we're hearing about um, Jomo, for example, uh, Joy of Missing Out, where people are passing up the evening's house party invite, for example, in favour of watching rubbish TV on the sofa in their pyjamas. Everybody should have the chance to watch rubbish TV in their pajamas. <laughs> there is a certain level of having to be always on with these apps. So you have, you, you know, if you're on house party, you're on video. So you can't wander around in your pajamas and you can't, you know, stuff your face with Jaffa cakes while everybody else is having conversations. And sometimes that's what you want to do. You want to be in your pajamas and you want to be stuffing your face with Jaffa cakes. Or maybe that's just me. Um, I think, you know... <laughs> There is, there is a level of performance on social media. We've seen it with Instagram where people have their Instagram lives and their real lives. And, you know, there is a, a, a thing of it, this FOMO thing and, and, you know, always having to be present and part of, of the conversation. It can get a little wearing. And, you know, sometimes it is nice to just switch everything off. And I know I've been on holidays where I've had no mobile data access. Uh, so I couldn't check Instagram, couldn't check Twitter. And it actually did feel kind of liberating. So I can really understand where it comes from. I mean, this at the, at the moment, we're in an unusual situation. Um, you know, ordinarily, you'd be able to catch up with your friends, you know, face to face. And at the moment, we can't do that. I can't catch up with family face to face. So I think at the moment, it's a necessary evil. But, you know, once all this is finished, I, I I'd be very surprised if people are still Zoom partying with their friends or at house party chat on a, a Saturday night with all their family. I think, you know, maybe we'll go back to being having a normal level of contact with friends and family and you won't feel the urge to be as constantly in touch as we do at the moment because, you know, it's it's like that thing where you're told don't touch your face. Now all you want to do is touch your face. We can't see our friends and family. All we want to do is connect with our friends and family. It's just human nature. Exactly. Kira. what has been your own go-to gadget or app during this crisis? Well, as I mentioned, I have small children. So my go-to gadget has got to be the iPad because it gives me uh, 10 minutes of peace. But only if uh, Sago Mini World is on it. And that's a children's app that has a little bit of education aspect to it as well. So I don't feel so bad in throwing it at my five-year-old every so often just to get, you know, 10 minutes so I can actually do something. Um, and I'm, I think a lot of people are finding that the the screen time things have gone out the window because there is no other way to keep kids occupied. And there's only so many times you can go out in the garden and, and, and let them dig holes. So 
and how many, it's only so many times you can sit down and make bunny rabbits out of toilet roll cores. And as you guess, we've done all of those things fairly recently. And we have more paintings and printouts from Twinkle than I can I care to, to, to even count. And I'm running out of space everywhere for all the stuff that's been made. So sometimes the iPad is the lifesaver. Thanks very much, Kira. My thanks to JJ Vernon and Suzanne Brennan, who produced today's podcast. And thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back on Monday. Have a good weekend.